Hello, friends at uh, Church of the Cross. Um, it's, it's been great to be with some of you. I'm sorry I can't be with uh, more of you. Uh, but we, there are one, a few of us here in the parish house, and we've been enjoying uh, fellowship in the midst of some stress, you know, getting this, uh, this stream up. Um, but I just wanted to, again, thank you for inviting me, and also thank you for the friendship we've had over the years. I was thinking, uh, I was so, so grateful that our, um, our friends Andy and Angela introduced us to Peter a few years ago, and that we had a chance to uh, come, come visit with you uh, a number of times. I, I think that if, if we'd attended it consecutively, we would have attended Church of the Cross probably a month or a month and a half now. And so I should probably be embarrassed that all of you are still introducing yourself every single week, and then I need you to reintroduce yourself each time. Um, but we have been around enough to, to recognize some of the, uh, the usual suspects. We have uh, Peter and uh, Nick behind the, um, behind the robes and, and uh, Andrew behind the, uh, the guitar always. And then these, uh, the ubiquitous Krista Vossler who seems to be everywhere doing everything. Um, so, uh, uh, and also, I, I also wanted to thank you for being able to spend a day with you guys uh, last um, I think I don't know, November, I think, parish, October, the parish retreat. It was fun to be able to engage in some longer conversations and socializing with all of you. I think they made an impact on me. I enjoyed like a, um, you know, hearing some movie recommendations from people. I, uh, the most important one is uh, my man Cash, who very ab ably introduced me to The Mandalorian, which I have since watched. And, uh, and so, so thank you for that. Uh, and so uh, I, I'd love to ask your, uh, your forbearance, too, because of the, you know, the, the heaviness uh, of, of, um, of both the topic and also the, my awkwardness around the camera, I'm going to read the, the sermon directly off of a, a page. And so uh, my apologies for being less relational with that. Like I said, I wish, wish we could be together in person. But I'll, let me pray for us. God, we trust that as we are scattered, as we are the church scattered um, uh, around the world with so many people worshiping from home over a computer screen and with the limitations that that presents, um, we ask that you would invade our space and experience even now, uh, wherever we are. God, we need you and your word uh, to us more than, than anything. Lord, and so and we also confess that your word was that which was spoken just a few minutes ago that um, what follows in the homily um, is, uh, is um, our attempt to be able to expound on your word, but we affirm your word above all. Um, uh, thank you for a chance to consider um, the tragedies of our world in the light of who you are. Um, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit uh, would go beyond the limitations of my words um, and allow us to be able to touch your heart and understand your heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On the streets this week, we see the overflow of an impossible situation faced by black America. What if we run away from the police? Will you kill us? What if we don't? If we put our hands up and say, don't shoot, what then? What if we stand up for our rights? What if we don't and just comply? What if we comply and beg for mercy? Is it still okay to kill us then? What if we're just sitting in our house, an unknown someone breaks in and we defend ourselves? Yep, they can still kill us without identifying themselves, and it's an honest mistake. 
What if an off-duty officer comes home and mistakes our apartment for theirs and kills us? Honest mistake, because they were just defending what they thought was their home. What if someone isn't even a police officer but wants to act like one? Can we just walk away from them? Nope. What if we stand our ground to defend ourselves? Still, nope, because they can still kill us and claim they were standing their ground, even though they assaulted us when we were doing nothing wrong. For black believers, there is another kind of impossible situation. God claims to be a God of justice, and yet this keeps happening. How can I keep bringing petitions that fall on deaf ears? Is it worth it to keep on worshiping this God who seems so impotent to save? And why would I want to be a Christian when so many Christians excuse those who oppress me and dismiss my oppression as a figment of my imagination? As I work to share the gospel with young people on college campuses, this is the pressing question of the day. Today is Trinity Sunday, and you would be right to question my audacity at preaching on the Trinity this day. Do we need the Trinity to know that the killing of George Floyd was wrong? We do not. If this were another Trinity Sunday, I might take time to walk through how Christians came to believe something so strange in order to make the existence, if not the content of the doctrine, more digestible. But when facing the impossible, we have no time to explain, justify, or defend who God is. However, for Christians, there is nothing more critical than to know God as God is, especially when facing the impossible. In the book of Exodus, Moses and his people faced an impossible situation. Be a respectful immigrant and a good neighbor? No good. Have one of your own attain the highest political office in the land? Nope. Continue to produce and produce under worse and worse conditions. Just makes you more threatening. Comply, resist, nope, and nope. After all this, when God comes on the scene and taps Moses to announce deliverance, Moses begins where most of us might. He asks, who am I? If you look closely, God chooses not to answer that question, but listen to Moses' second question. Suppose I say, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? When Moses asks, who am I, God declines to answer. But when he asks God, who are you? In this second question, God does answer. In the Old Testament, the impossible situation was met with the God who reveals himself as I am. On this side of the New Testament, our impossible situation is met by the God who reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Love can coexist with racism. Racist societies have people who love other people. But the love of Jesus is a different sort of love, a Trinitarian love. God's love does not actually even begin with God's love for us. It begins with God's love for God, the love between the very persons of God. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. The way that the love, love occurs between and among the Trinity that's the love I have for you. And then he says, love each other as I have loved you. Did you know that God loves God? 
The Trinity means that God has always loved God. And that love is not the love of a person for himself, but rather the love of one person for another person, an actual other who is different. I don't think anyone's ever actually figured out what the Trinity is, me least of all, but the church did spend a few hundred years figuring out what the Trinity isn't. Every few years, there was a temptation to resolve the problem of sameness and difference, one and three. We kept wanting to essentialize the difference by having a sharp distinction between attributes or actions. The Father is this, but the Son's not that, maybe, or maybe the Son does this, but the Father doesn't do that. Or, more often, by creating a hierarchy of inferiority or superiority. The Father's really God, the Son's not quite God, or the Son didn't used to be God, but has the, maybe eventually worked his way to becoming God. Or else, we wanted to erase the difference, usually by saying there was no real distinction between Father, Son, and Spirit. They only seemed to be different, but weren't actually, like Bruce Wayne and Batman. However, when we compared these attempts at resolving sameness and difference to what God revealed of himself, they fell short. We couldn't understand the Trinity, but we knew that if we essentialized the differences between Father, Son, and Spirit, or sorted them hierarchically, or collapsed the difference into sameness, that was no longer our God. Racism arises from that same ability to resolve sameness and difference. That is where we got where we are today. Racism essentializes difference into differences. That's what we call stereotyping. Like when we assume that Asian equals foreign or black equals threatening. Or we assume hierarchies between difference. Like when it's okay that poor rural communities are almost helpless in the face of COVID. And it's okay that Native American communities are almost exclusively poor rural communities. Or we want unity to be at the expense of difference. Like when well-meaning friends have told me, I don't think of you as Asian. We also seek unity at the expense of difference when we say we want a diverse church, but only picture different people joining us to do things our way and with people like us still in charge and in the majority. These instincts of essentializing difference, sorting difference into hierarchy, and uh, erasing difference for the sake of unity. These are what become encoded in society through apartheid, Jim Crow, unjust housing systems, differential outcomes in law enforcement and criminal justice, and other systems that create impossible conditions. But from eternity to all eternity, God has loved and will love God maintaining difference between Father, Son, and Spirit, yet at the same time with difference never compromising sameness or collapsing into hierarchy. The mystery of the Trinity is the mystery of sameness and difference coexisting eternally in self-giving love. Often when we see division in society, our churches pray for unity. That is right. But what kind of unity are we talking about? One where we are unified with some groups as haves and others as have-nots? One where we check our differences at the door? I'm afraid that some and, much, and maybe much of the love and unity we call for in our churches 
does not pass the Trinitarian test. Jesus says, I pray for those who will believe in me, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one, not in any way or by any means, but may they be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. Will you pray with me? God, I confess on my part and on the part of your church um, that we have not uh, lived a Trinitarian love, one that eternally gives to, one, to each other, um, maintaining difference and sameness without trying to resolve it into hierarchy, resolve it into uniformity. Now we confess that as a result of humanity doing that, um, we have a horrible and unjust society uh, here in the United States and elsewhere. We confess that because we as a church have insufficiently um, followed your Trinitarian love, um, we have been impotent in our ability often to um, affect the culture around us. And worse than that, we have looked just like it. God, I confess that I, that I have been part of that, um, that I have been uh, paralyzed to inaction. I have accepted a sentimental view of love rather than a Trinitarian, self-sacrificial, self-giving love uh, that embraces sameness and difference. Um, and I confess on a part, our part as a church that we um, feel powerless because of our truncated experience and practice of love. And yet in this day, we look not to ourselves, but to you. Um, and we ask uh, for your grace to be able to enliven in us new imagination, new practice, um, new risks, new muscles, um, that we may be able to, in response to your Holy Spirit, step out in new ways. We thank you for this congregation and the ways that uh, uh, the members and leaders of this congregation have been doing that very thing in the last week. Um, we thank you for the denomination that uh, we're part of and the, the larger leadership that has done so as well. We ask for each of us that we would not be paralyzed by the impossible situations, um, but that we would know that a Trinitarian uh, love, a, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that exists eternally in self-giving love uh, is sufficient for this world and is sufficient for our change, uh, the change that is needed inside us and outside of us. In Jesus' name, amen.